Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is not Bunny Williams. <laughs> yes, a different person. A I completely am the Pope. different person. It's like fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, I am the Pope in question. My name is May Lynn. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 437 of the podcast, and uh, proud we are of all of that. It has been exactly 436 episodes to get to this one. Don't do the math. It all checks out. And Today, And if I haven't... And if I haven't mentioned in a while, I, I do hate you. Okay, just so we're clear. This week's movie, which we will be getting to in the back half, is the 2020 film Songbird, starring uh, Archie from Riverdale and a bunch of big-name actors who should have known better. I wanted to read a headline of uh, one of my favorite reviews. This is from the Onion AV Club. And uh, oh, the headlines, the headlines for the AV Club, they really get to the heart of things. And the headline for this week's movie says, the first movie inspired by the pandemic is here and it sucks. So that's pretty much it. It. it, it this week's movie reminds me of one of those art films where it's like like Magnolia or Crash or here's 12 different main characters. Each one has their own subplot and yes. we're going to be running through all these different people and then at the end they're all going to tie together in a big nice bow. <coughs> hmm? And that's what this film seems like except it was written by someone who... Is not a good writer. I'll I'll, I'll save my bitching because I don't have a lot to say about this. Whatever this was, Songbird. It's it's the first big budget Hollywood movie about the pandemic. At times, it feels a bit like uh like anti mask, but. Maybe that's just me. I how can you hate this film when Peter Stormari's in it? Oh, that broke my fucking heart. That Man's literally broke my heart. I mean, Demi Moore. Okay, I could. I, I Demi Moore. I could see. You know, because it's not like you see her a lot in things nowadays, anyway. No, but yeah. Uh, so and uh, they all took second billing to. Archie. To Archie. Let's from just Riverdale. not forget yeah. this. Our second film featuring Archie from Riverdale. That's that's weird. That's really odd. Uh, because it's not like uh what's his name? AJ Appa is watching is in that many movies to begin with. Yeah. Uh so Bunny, uh this summer has sucked for the podcast i think in a good and entertaining way but it's all my fault i thought that spending the summer watching low budget hastily created covid exploitation films would be fun and i was hoping that the movies would be cheap and dumb and fun but in the reality for the most part the movies have been cheap yes and dumb sure but fun 
Hell no. Hell. It has been crazy rough, hasn't it, Bunny? But we got one. We got one. Last week's was wonderful. Yeah. But, yeah, so I thought at this point, we have just two movies left in our summer of COVID exploitation. This week we're doing Songbird. And then in our next episode, we will be covering Virus Shark. Virus Shark. I'm really wondering how far wrong can you go with Virus Shark? Virus Shark. It's so, gotta ha- it's gotta be good for a couple of yucks at least, I would that's, think. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. You know what we should do next summer? Uh, like Santa to... Jaws. Yeah. I was thinking, like, uh, for another themed summer, because we do these themed summers, we should do one summer of just, like, dumb shark films. We can do Sharkula, about the vampire shark. We can do uh, a Virus Shark. I mean, I, there's so many. Uh, house Shark. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I thought at this point we have two movies left in our summer of COVID exploitation. So I thought we'd take a bit of time at the top of the show to just go over the movies we've seen so far. We've done seven so far. Yeah. Uh, what is this? Is this number eight? Yeah, this is our eighth COVID exploitation film. So I thought we'd just go over them, talk about them, see what talk about what we've what we've done thankfully i have i've been writing i've been uh keeping detailed notes keith yeah i got keith there i got a couple of different brands on here so i've been keeping some detailed records of everything that we've been doing so the first episode in our summer of covid exploitation was episode 430 the triumphant return that was our first podcast back after a sabbatical yes and that was (laughs) um what was the guy's name joshua wesley's magnum opus 2025 the world enslaved by a virus if if you're in the mood to get really high and you are just not up for watching The Room again, then I recommend this movie as a good alternate. Yeah, yeah. It's it's written, directed, produced, and starring Joshua Wesley, or as I called him in episode 430, Guy Pierce on Wish.com. Uh, you know what I love? We should do, uh, it's been a while since we've done a fake commercial, but, um, Hoodie Hacker Warehouse. Because everyone knows that all hackers have to wear black hoodies. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. And then just, I'm in, you know, just random typing. But this movie was cheap and dumb and stupid but it was so fun it was so much fun oh the first one yeah okay yeah yeah oh the first one it was it was fucking horrible but in that horrible way that you just can't help but laugh at just like the room 
You know, there was not an official high doggy scene, but there could have been. There could have been, and it would have yeah. fit just fine. Yeah. And the first film that we did for our summer was just so bad that it was good. And I said, oh, this is going to be a fun summer. But we went downhill from here. Yes. Like way downhill. So, okay. So the next episode was episode 431. Uh, you know how how bad a movie okay. has to be here's, when you're here's a game for the virus. Here's a game that we could play. Okay, where you just read the title and see if I remember what the fuck that movie was. Okay, in that case, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, uh, not go in order. Uh oh. Okay. Corona. <laughs> corona. Just Corona? We did a. Okay, so. Was Which that one the one in the elevator? Yes. Okay. Corona, a.k.a. fear is a virus, a.k.a. wait, this whole thing's in a fucking elevator, a.k.a. yelling the movie. Yes. Yeah, uh, that was uh, written and directed by Mostafa Kashvari, and it was entirely ad-libbed. How do you... How do you rig an elevator to not work i don't understand that oh i i sabotaged <coughs> the elevator so it wouldn't work but you but it picked up everyone yeah and then it stopped working how did you do that yeah i don't get it that movie sucked i, I well on a scale of Negative 10 to negative 1, because, like, very few of these movies really even hit zero. Okay. The first one, 2025, I would have to give that a negative 1. This this one I would give, like, a negative 5. Okay. I, I found it rather enjoyable in its stupidity. Yeah. Corona. With the one woman wanting to see if see the dead woman's palm to see if her lifeline has gone away. You know, yeah. there there were some real what the fuck is wrong with you moments. <laughs> oh, uh that episode I really liked because we came up with the idea of nice of uh, Canadian Nazis. Yes. Because the old guy, the guy in the wheelchair had a swastika, uh, he, he was a Nazi, and I like the idea of nice Nazis, you know, like Canadian Nazis. Hey, yeah. uh, how you doing, eh? I was wondering if you wanted to drink a Molson and maybe go into the shower? <laughs> I'm going to be killing you, eh? So I, I liked that idea. The movie was vaguely racist, I remember. And it's like, yeah. hey, not all of these Chinese have COVID. And it's like, yeah, we know that. It, I, I'm a bit concerned by you saying that. Hey, not all Chinese are dirty. Yeah, we know that. We know that. 
But you saying that makes me uh, concerned. Okay, so let's switch. Oh, and there was that wonderful scene at the end of the movie where everyone's confessing in order. Yes. Oh, you're not the, I'm not the father of the child. Oh, I have cancer. Oh, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, I sabotaged the elevator. Oh, I came up with Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I started the fire. I let yes. the dogs out. I'm colorblind. While everybody else was deeply engrossed in whoever was telling the story, including yeah. the girl who only spoke Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, yet didn't knew like that it. everybody was relating a story and it was her turn relating a story completely in Chinese while everybody else in the elevator was still just wrapped in her story. Yeah. And then one of them has the coronavirus and finally at the end you go, oh, I just came back from China. I was there on business. You said in the beginning of the film that you're a Parking lot attendant. Yes. The hell are you doing in Wuhan, China for a business meeting when you're a freaking parking attendant? Oh, yes, I work at Arby's, but I just went to Wuhan, China for a, for a roast beef conference. conference. Yes. Roast beef con. Okay, here's <laughs> another movie that we did this summer. Anti-coronavirus. Anti-coronavirus. Yes, was that was... the Kevin Nash starring? No, you no. are wrong, my friend. Okay. Uh... Hey, hey, how about this? How about this? And maybe this will help you. Bunny, this movie was a bunch of cocky poo. <laughs> was a bunch of cocky poo. Yeah, cocky poo. No, I'm not getting this one. I, I... You don't remember this one? This is the one that was directed by Mitesh Patel in Arizona. He's a oh, Tucson real estate the, agent. The one with the my pillow guy. Yeah, fake crying the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that one. That one was that was another horrible one. That one he had was, like a budget of five dollars. He was having symptoms while they were eating out, and none of them were actually coronavirus symptoms. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a horrible one, which. Like nothing really happened. There's, there's, it's, there's nothing to remember about this movie. Uh, well, you listen to me, Bruce, Bruce Gunter. You have never given up on anything. And I'm not about to start now. Yes. Which, if you really take the time and listen to that uh, bit of dialogue, it, it makes no sense. But that's fine. Uh, this was a big movie because this is when we finally learned that prayer cures COVID. This is true. Which is why no Christian ever has gotten COVID. That was a big deal. Uh, this was a... 
hey, this dumb, well-off white family from Tucson becomes patient zero because they traveled all over Europe during a deadly respiratory virus. These asshats brought the coronavirus to this nation, and we're supposed to feel bad for them. Yes. Yeah, so that was anti-coronavirus. Okay, so let's pick another movie. Uh, The COVID Killer. The COVID Killer. Yes, that was... Uh, that was the the New York, not New York, COVID serial killer who was actually two killers. Two killers in one, I guess. Uh, and a lot of bad dialogue in a lot of places that were definitely not New York. And definitely, definitely... Not the Bronx. Yeah, I it, it that was the movie where I was wondering if just everyone in Brooklyn talks the exact same way. Okay, kids, settle down. You ready to do some freaking school? Yeah, I'm ready. I got my freaking homework right here. Hey, Jabroni, are you busting my balls? No, I ain't busting your balls, teacher. What the fuck you talking about? Like that's how everyone talks. Yeah. But to be fair. If there's one thing I like about New York police, it's their extensive shoe collection. Yes, the shoe collection was impressive. I personally did not know that such a shoe collection just turns on the chicks the way it does. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That caught me by a bit surprised. I I just didn't know. Well, Bonnie, let me tell you something. Uh, Hold on. I'm going to get a drink of my coffee for a second. You know, Bonnie, you know I like my coffee the way I like my women. Tall, black, and sexy. (laughs) That was a great line. The COVID killer is horrible. Porn has Goodbye, Felicia. That has the goodbye, Felicia. They named a character Felicia... For that one fucking that joke. joke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here are the three things we know about the COVID killer. He only kills women. He always slashes to the left. And every woman killed by him has had sex with one police officer immediately before they died. But we're not going to do crap about that. Yes. So uh, that movie was horrible. Uh, Corona Zombies. Corona zombies. I, I, this one, this one, like, was my biggest disappointment because I was actually expecting a a lot more out of it. Yeah, I was expecting a lot of fun from that one, but it wasn't. I mean, it was, it was a Charles Band movie for Christ's sakes. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's never actually done anything that, like, I love, like, I, it's a big cult movie to me or anything, but like he's done a lot of work that I just kind of like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crap. Like, like Charles band is still a couple of steps above trauma. Yeah. You know, but they're still in that range, you know? Yeah. There's there's usually more production value in a Charles Band movie 
you might see some actual faces in a Charles Band movie. <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, and even watching the trailer, I was really interested because it looked like it was it looked like it was going to be a complete parody of Dawn of the Dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But and I found that really interesting as well. And I then was we excited. get into the movie and what a piece of shit. I was excited because they got like one or two uh zombie movies and they redubbed it and it's like oh okay so like uh Woody Allen and what's up Tiger Lily this is going to be fun but i don't remember anything from that movie i saw it like 3 times i couldn't tell you a thing that happens in that film it's like oh that's so disappointing well because nothing it was a glorified clip show yeah it was barely a movie where where part of the movie was zombie strippers and the other part of the movie was fuck what was what was an Italian zombie movie whose name escapes me yeah uh let me see corona here's a virus here you go dr mordred uh, some the 1980 Italian film Hell of the Living Dead and a film called Zombies vs. Strippers. Hell of the Living Dead, yes. Yeah. Yeah, ugh. Uh Barbie and Kendra. And then it had and then, then it had a silly wraparound with just some blonde chick talking on a phone. Yeah. While the television played, and the television would try to get all the pieces to stick together. Yeah. It failed, but that's what it, it was really trying good. to do. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, COVID-19 invasion. Was, this was really, like, this was barely a fucking movie. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a, a, a Dumbo length. It was barely a feature film. Yes. It was this long. Yeah. Well, what's this one? The next one, COVID-19 Invasion. That's the... Okay, there we go. There's the there's the, the Kevin Nash starring... Starring... Top-billing uh, cameo. Yeah, starring WCW's Vinny Vegas. Starring WCW's Oz. Starring uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel himself, Kevin Nash, yeah. starring in a cameo role. Yes. Whole thing is in a freaking empty high school. And they did things we're not really sure why. They yeah. The coronavirus is still going on, so they decide to kill the homeless. Because that's what you do. You yeah. kill the homeless and that will take care of the coronavirus. Now, oddly, the homeless are homed in an abandoned school. Which means they're not homeless. So, so, so we have an issue going on here. 
And it's a problem with definitions. And, well, I guess basically wrestlers not understanding words. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Uh, <coughs> oh, and then it had that... the at, There was an afterword. This movie is so bad that there was an afterword that, yes. lit, that basically said, hey, you know, we were all just making this on our own. Please be nice when reviewing this film. This movie, like, we know this is a cheap ass movie. Please be nice, but uh, a bad movie is a bad movie regardless of budget. And then it says, literally, starring Kevin Nash, but he's in like three scenes and that's it. Yeah. They were able to afford him for an afternoon and that was all that they did. Mm hmm. Starring someone who's barely in the film. Okay. And uh, I believe that's all of them, except for, of course, what is so far our favorite. Ah! The 2021 existential comedy, Coronavirus Conspiracy. We did this in our last episode, episode 436. What a wonderful time that was. If, if you have any love for B-movies... You need to watch this movie. This movie may even need to be in your collection. Yeah. I love this movie. It is a flawed movie, but it is a fun movie. Yeah. So fun. It looks cheap as fuck. It looks bad. There's no real lighting. But, uh... How freaking fun this movie is. It's so dumb fun. It's about memes and it's about uh, aliens and it's about computer simulations and it's about a large portion of it is about Harambe. Yes. And Ram Ranch which is a podcast that everyone should listen to. So those are the seven. And and I I I I heard bad things about this week's movie, Songbird. Okay. I heard bad I heard bad things about it, but I still I still had hope because this week's movie, the 2020 film Songbird, people are in this. People are in the well Famous again. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to say shit because I don't. I, I just don't have enough to say about this movie. Okay. So okay. I, okay, I'm. I I'm. I'm saving it. I am I saving it. That. So so this has been our summer, the summer of uh, uh COVID exploitation. We do theme summers every year. We did a summer of Star Wars, which was not as fun as I thought. We did a summer of Saw, which was more fun than I thought. Yes. We then uh, after that, I was like, ah, oh, shit, I guess we got to do the goddamn Fast and the Furious movies. What? Fred Willard died. And then we had our summer of Fred Willard, which was freaking wonderful. Yes. So much fun. Watching because Fred Willard has and, been in three million movies, and also such a broad spectrum of movies. Yes, that's and part we, of what made it fun. Going from like fucking unwed mother, yeah, you know, yeah, 
to to we did a few uh, Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. But so pick any one of them. But that right there is a wide range. Like, okay, Unwed Mother. This is like, this is really like Fred at his at, at his lowest. It took so long for me to find it too. Ten minute warning. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, that was so much fun. And then we had the Fred Willometer because sometimes Fred Willard will be in a movie for 45 minutes and sometimes he'll be in it for 10. That yes. movie about the, the radio host who I'll was, believe you or something like that. Yeah, something like that. He was only in it for like two scenes, but he stole the show in those two scenes. Yes. So the Fred Willometer was a lot of fun. And then uh, what was the other one? Oh, last year we did the summer of bottoming, where yes. we where we did um, movies on the IMDb bottom one hundred list of the one hundred worst movies of all time. And the interesting thing about doing that is that that list constantly changes. So swept away, the two thousand and two film starring Madonna isn't even on the list anymore. Yeah. So it's interesting. And also, uh, yesterday, we're recording this on Sunday, September 4th. Yesterday was September 3rd, which is which was National Cinema Day. Almost all movie theater tickets were $3. And I took the whole family to go see the, the last Spider-Man movie. Oh, there was good. a preview for the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. And on one hand, I'm like, this looks really good. And plus... That's the gelatinous cube. Yes. But on the other hand, I couldn't get Jeremy Irons out of my head. No, no. Would not get Jeremy Irons out of my head. Well, the, the big thing that I noticed about, about the movies from the worst list. Yes. Is that in a lot of cases, there wasn't anything particularly wrong with the movie it was just boring as fuck. Yeah. And that was Dungeons and Dragons, and that was a lot of the movies on that list. Like, yep. okay. There's nothing really wrong with the movie I'm watching. I'm just bored to shit by it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Dungeons sense. and Dragons movie, it didn't it didn't do anything wrong. Like, it wasn't even bad enough to hold your interest. Yeah, like a Street Fighter, The Wicker Man, yes. Spice World. They weren't bad movies, but they just weren't good. No. There wasn't anything that's like, oh my god. Like, there were movies that I absolutely hated, like Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, Disaster Movie, uh, Battlefield That fucking Earth. Madonna I'm movie, like, like just... Fucking... Yeah. It, but, it was offensive. It was horribly offensive. Yeah. yeah. That movie sucked. But it, this it, this summer has really been a bit of a roller coaster. Because it's like I 2025, a world enslaved by a virus. That was hilariously bad, and we had fun. And then the other ones kind of sucked. And then we had coronavirus conspiracy. And now we have this week's movie, Frickin' Songbird. But before we run out of time here, 
I just really want to say I am looking forward this this chap I am looking forward to this this chap has been like bugging me since I found out about it. I did a test run of this week's Steve's historic approximations to my wife, and my wife absolutely loved it. Um, it's really good. It's about I I, I I'm gonna just I'm just gonna say a bit of the opening here. The, we're going to take a when we're done, we're almost done with our uh, intro, our monologue. And then after this, there's going to be a short break. And then we're going to go into our next segment, Steve's Historic Approximations. And this week, we're going to be talking about America's most notorious anti-gay activist and how her connection with a theme park mascot led to a boycott of a breakfast food. Yes. And, and, and like, really, I, I really recognize all of the pieces. Each piece I have seen so far, I recognize that and I remember it, but I don't remember how it all comes together as a story. So you, it, so I, I, I'm going to be hitting a, a lot of oh yeah moments while you're doing this. Yeah. I just know it. It's just going to fuck right. Right. Yeah. A, really excited about this one. This is this is a, an important one for me. Uh, uh, right before we wrap up, I just want to do a new bit that I have that I'm really excited. Um, this is a bit that I came up with that I call why DJ Khaled doesn't babysit anymore okay this is the bit so dj khaled's holding the baby and he's like yo baby don't cry it's me dj khaled stop your crying yeah and that's why dj khaled doesn't babysit anymore Hooray! Hooray! Uh, I'm so freaking tired. Okay. Yeah. All right. So why don't we take a break? We've got three and a half minutes left, but I need to go to the little um, Maylin's room, the little podcaster's room for a second before we move in into a uh, shop. Okay. Because my, I don't know if you if you realize this, my coffee mug is freaking huge. Yes. So I've just been downing that to keep myself up. So it probably doesn't help that right before the podcast, I've gotten in the habit of taking a bath right before the podcast. I always think like, oh, I'm about to do the podcast. I'm going to be on camera. I'm going to do my makeup and wear my nicest dress and look so good. And then right before the podcast, I take a bath and it knocks me the hell out. Yeah. So then I come into the podcast with my hair all disheveled, all like, okay, let's do this podcast. I'm also going to be drinking uh, a massive amount of water and eating during the podcast because I'm a professional. Because I'm a professional. So um, I put on a hat. I I I I, I have a I bunch do. of I got a bunch of guy hats, but I need more feminine hats. <coughs> I don't really have feminine hats, so I need to work on that. Uh, okay, Bunny. Uh, why don't we take a break? 
And then we will come back in just a short while with some educationally uneducational fun. Yes. Cool. All right. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do, 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 do. I'm scared. Are you scared? I'm I'm really, really scared. Scared. This is my impression of Jigsaw if he was an eight-year-old child. Hello, Mom and Dad. I'd like to play a game. Do you, do you have any games on your phone that I could play, please? I like the Kitos. I like the Kitos. I don't remember. I like the Kitos. I like the Kitos. I've got I don't remember. Rebels! Rebels! You can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad.
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Buddy! Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't nowadays in this day and age? This podcast is sweeping the nation. This podcast is swiffer, wet jetting the nation. But only the real fans, the true fans, the hardcore fans, the ride-or-die fans who have been with us since day one. When this podcast started out as a podcast that was done exclusively on CB radio. That's where we got our start. Yes. Back when Convoy was the number one song in America. That's when we started. Our podcast used to be specifically for truckers. Well, that was back when we were Midnight and Blaze. Yeah, we were loaded up and trucking. Yeah. People were like, a podcast? Uh, that can't be done. But we said, we gonna do what they say can't be done. Right. And I, we, knew, we knew that the podcast had a long way to go and a short time to get there. But, I mean, our podcast was really eastbounded. But it, only the real fans, the true fans of this podcast would know two, the two main facts about us. The two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Maylin. Yes. First and foremost, Bunny, the first fact, which is about you, is the fact that when you're not doing this podcast, you actually work as a wet nurse. Now, uh, tell us, Bunny, what inspired you to be a wet nurse? Didn't we, didn't we do this a couple of weeks back? Yeah, but here's the thing. I still don't know what a wet nurse is. Is that like a wet t-shirt <coughs> thing? Is it a nurse that just waters you? I don't even know what a wet nurse is. Uh, it's, it's... It sounds like a breasts porn are thing. still full of milk. So oh. you feed other children. Okay, I thought wet nurse was just the name of a of of a specific category on Pornhub. So, I'm glad Well, that... I'm not sure that it isn't. I've never thought to look. That's a good point. It most probably could be. Yeah. Uh I'm sure we could find people wet nursing old men. Uh, I, I, I'm really starting to sicken myself right now. I'm sorry. It's it's okay. It's okay. I, we'll move on. I I ran through the. I was like Doctor Strange there for a second. I was going through all the possibilities of <laughs> nice. Okay, that's cool. wet nurse on Pornhub. Yeah. And most of it was not pleasant. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and the second fact, which is about me, is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So this is the part of the podcast where I get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know that well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling panache. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Now, personally, I like the name Shap, and I asked my six-year-old daughter what they thought Shap sounded like, and they said that Shap sounds like a cupcake. 
I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I'd like to think that it means that this segment of the podcast is so tasty with knowledge. (laughs) My freaking neighbors are mowing the lawn. I think I'm going to sue them because uh, way to mess with the podcast. We're such professionals here. Yes. Way to ruin everything. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be talking about America's most notorious anti-gay activist and how her connections to a theme park mascot led to a nationwide boycott of a breakfast food. And okay, this isn't the world's most unknown story that we've ever done here on the podcast. In fact, once I say this woman's name, a lot of people, a lot of people, probably including you, Bonnie, will go, oh, yeah, that woman. I remember this story. Oh, yeah. But the whole point of Shap is to try and teach small, important parts of history to people who have never heard these stories before. And I guarantee you, there are a lot of people at a theme park (coughs) right now that have no idea that they're in line at a snack. Uh, at, at, they're in line at a uh, place to get like a treats, snack, a, a food place. And they have no idea that that place that they're in line for has ties to an anti-gay activist. Yes. So, so, I, so I do think that this should be dedicated to J.K. Rowling. Right. Upon the re- re- release of her brilliant, brilliant new book. Yeah. Well, fuck J.K. Rowling. So, a lot of people out there don't know that there was a time when uh, uh, gay activists avoided orange juice because of the Disney Corporation. Like, that's... This is, this is interesting to me. So, okay. Uh, this is Odd AF, and this is our story. So, before I start, I want to say that this chap came from a number of different sources, Wikipedia, or maybe it's per pronounced Wikipedia, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, a handful of LGBT plus websites and resources, and uh, a great YouTube account called Dream Sounds, all one word, Dream Sounds, a uh, shout out to them. It is a Disney fan YouTube account, but about a year or two ago, the, the person who runs the YouTube channel came out as a trans woman so now it's a youtube channel about disney history and disney films from a trans female perspective and they did a a short little uh 10 minute video about uh the time that gays avoided what's the show yeah it's a youtube channel called dream sounds okay and it's just a Disney fandom from a trans perspective. And I, I really dig it. And they did a short little video about this subject. And so so let's talk about the history behind the breakfast boycott. So uh, before we start gleefully shitting on America's most notorious anti-gay activist, let's yes. talk about the history behind the breakfast boycott. Okay, so the story starts <coughs> in Florida. America's penis. This uh, this part might seem a bit uh, 
familiar to you, Bonnie? So it's the 1930s, and uh, there's a bunch of orange growers all throughout Florida. And there's an orange grower here and an orange grower there and an orange grower there. All these orange farms all over the place. And each one is fighting each other, trying to get a piece of the orange market. And right. finally, a bunch of the orange growers got together and said, huh, maybe we should start one big company, all of us together. And we can work together helping each other out. Basically, it's the East Coast version of the Raisin Mafia. You remember the yes, Raisin Mafia Yes, I remember Mafia the Raisin story? Mafia. That was from three years ago, uh, a chap from August of 2019. Uh, a bunch of the raisin growers got together and, and they started a, their own sort of company. And that company came up with the California raisins. So basically, this is the Florida version of that, but without the corruption and the fighting and the mafia aspect. Right. And that... that uh... And the California raisins were triggering off in my head. Yeah. As related to one of the one of the pieces. And we'll get to the character, but I thought the character was similar to the California raisins. It kind in of is. principle. Kind of yeah. No, we're getting to the character. All a right. very popular character. Let me know when I, think... when I should be flipping these slides. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've got I've I've got it all marked out and everything. I'm all right. Taking this one very seriously. So all of the orange people in Florida, they got together. And in 1933, they became the Florida Citrus Canners Cooperative. The Fakakaka. <laughs> <laughs> the Fakakaka. The Florida Citrus Canners Cooperative. This organization, this company is actually still around. Now they're called Florida's Natural. Okay. Which is a pretty major brand out there. You ever see Florida's Natural? That that started out as the Florida Citrus Canners Cooperative, the Fakakaka. So they <coughs> formed their own big orange company, and they're selling orange juice throughout the 30s. So now it's the 40s, and they're doing okay business, but they're not doing the best business. They're trying to sell more orange juice, and they're getting together in their, I don't know, their boardroom big wooden desk like uh like in uh Rorator pharmaceuticals yeah in brain candy there's a new season of kids in the hall apropos of nothing there's a new season of kids in the hall on amazon prime and i said i'm gonna watch it but then i stopped because it's like no with i am such a completist that i have to watch all five seasons of kids in the hall then I have to watch uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy for like yeah. the 100th time. Then I have to watch the documentary Same Kids, New Dresses about their reunion tour. Then I have to watch the miniseries, uh, what is it called? Death Comes to Town. And then I can finally watch. So I just finished all five seasons of Kids in the Hall and I'm about to watch Brain Candy again. And it's just so upsetting to me that I can't just watch these new episodes. I have to watch everything. Yeah. This is how my brain works. I have kids in the hall on the brain right now. I I am so deep into kids in the hall. I, so, I will be interested in what you say about the new season. I've watched a few episodes. I saw kids and in the I, hall And live, then I stopped actually. and I don't know. I, I just haven't gotten back to it for some reason. 
when they first uh, did their first reunion tour, they came to Phoenix. And my friend Michelle and I went to see them together. Yeah. I saw Kids in the Hall live, and I forget that. Yeah, I'm like, holy crap, I saw the Kids in the Hall live. I also watched a uh, documentary about them called Kids in the Hall Comedy Punks. There was a great bit in there where they say, we were hoping to be the comedy equivalent of Nirvana, but instead, we were Sonic Youth. <laughs> meaning, meaning that, like, uh, yeah, we were influential. We made no money. Oh. As opposed to Nirvana, we were influential and we made a ton of money and we were everywhere. No, we weren't Nirvana. We were Sonic Youth. Okay, so it's the 40s. They're not selling orange juice. So they're like, huh, what can we do? Uh, man, y you know who's not wanting to buy our Fakaka orange juice? Kids. Kids are not wanting to buy it. How can we get kids to want to buy, buy our orange juice? Hey, I've got an idea. What if we put an anthropomorphic duck without pants on our orange juice? Okay, now you can put up the first picture. And it, I always wondered why. It was always so weird to me. It's like, oh, there's that orange juice, there's that orange juice, there's that orange juice. Why does Donald Duck have an orange juice? I always thought that was so weird. Yeah. Why is there a Donald Duck orange juice? But yeah, uh, th that's how we got Donald Duck orange juice. And Donald Duck orange juice became so popular that in the 50s, in the late 40s, and then in the 50s and the 60s, Donald Duck was on so much more food. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, oh, yeah, I remember I, I always saw Donald Duck orange juice, but I didn't realize that before I was born, there was Donald Duck grapefruit, Donald Duck frozen food, Donald Duck fish fillets, Donald Duck popcorn, Donald Duck peanut butter. Donald Duck Sherbert ice cream, and my personal favorite, Donald Duck cheese quackers. Oh. Huh? 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 Oh. Do you get it, buddy? I mean, do you get yeah. it? Yeah. So you might be wondering what this has to do with hating gay people, but we're almost there. Okay? Yes. We're almost there. So... Uh, Donald Duck becomes like the face of, and it's also a bit of interesting Disney history because suddenly Walt Disney is like, wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine? We have one of our characters in every supermarket. How interesting. I never would have thought that you would see a Disney character everywhere that yeah. like Donald was the first one. Nowadays, you go to any store, you're going to find a Disney character in it. But Donald Duck was like the first one. Yeah. Donald Duck started appearing everywhere. So so now it's the 70s. Well, because he, he's a he's a sailor, you know, yeah, so he's, he's like sailor. military. So he's just like infiltrating other parts of life. Yeah. You know? And there's I also one of the things that I always thought of is that Don, it makes sense for Donald Duck to be selling orange juice because he is a sailor. They do get scurvy. Yeah. So, like, he probably needs the, like, vitamin D to help him be healthy. Donald Duck probably has scurvy and a bunch of venereal diseases. Going to yes. port to port. That's yes. what happens. It happens. 
So now it's the uh, the late sixties, and Disney is making a theme park, a new theme park, Walt Disney World, and because it's being built in Florida, the Disney people say, you know, we've had a three decade relationship with the Florida Citrus Canners, the Fakaka Cup people. And that's been really successful for us. So it makes sense. If we're going to be building this new theme park, we got to find a way to, to put orange juice into it in our new theme park. And they come up with an idea. Okay. So Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Pluto, uh, Minnie, they're at every theme park. You can see them at Disneyland and Disney World and Disney's California Adventure and Tokyo Disney and Euro Disney and all of the parks, okay? But Florida has their own mascot. Okay. That you can't see anywhere else. They have their own individual character exclusive to Disney World. And that character, you can put up the second picture, that character is known as Orange Bird. Yes. So most people, I think that most people will look at Orange Bird and say, Orange Bird. Who the fuck is Orange Bird? I don't know Orange Bird. But here's the thing. If you went to Disney World a lot, maybe you went to Disney World a lot as a kid. Maybe you lived in Florida. Maybe you grew up in Florida, in the Florida area. There's a good chance you know Orange Bird. So he has an orange for a head. And here's an important part to the story. He doesn't talk. He thinks things, and those thoughts get, but he doesn't have a voice. That is kind of important to the story. So uh, so Disney created Orange Bird for the Florida Citrus Canners Cooperative. And in exchange for that, the Florida Citrus Canners, the Fakukaka people, sponsored the Enchanted Tiki Room in Disney World and also the new Florida Citrus Sunshine Pavilion in Adventureland where you could go and you could buy orange juice and orange juice items and they have like like a orange juice sherbet and like I don't know Dole Whips that sort of thing and you can meet Orange Bird as you can see there in the picture Orange Bird was a character yeah. and there was merchandise everywhere they had Orange Bird t-shirts and Orange Bird plushies and Orange Bird was uh, all over Florida and people in Florida knew Orange Bird because you can't go to California and see Orange Bird you can't go to you, you couldn't go to you know Tokyo Disney and see Orange Bird you couldn't note my words couldn't but we'll get to that the uh, the Disney people would eventually go so uh, balls deep into promoting Orange Bird that they tapped the legendary Sherman Brothers to write an Orange Bird song. Uh, the Sherman Brothers were the songsmiths for the Disney company. They were in the movie Saving Mr. Banks. Did you ever see that with Tom Hanks as Walt Disney? Uh no, I've threatened to watch it a couple of times, and I've seen bits of it. It's interesting because they've only made, like, three movies. They've only ever filmed, like, three or four movies at Disneyland, and two of them had Tom Hanks in it. 
I find that fascinating. But anyway, uh, Ryan the Temp from The Office and Inglorious Bastards was one of the Sherman brothers in that movie. So <coughs> the legendary Sherman brothers wrote a super catchy song, a theme song for Orange Bird. It was called Little Orange Bird. It's catchy AF. It is a catchy, adorable Disney song. And it discusses the Orange Bird story and how Orange Bird doesn't talk. And, you know, he, he, he has thought bubbles like Garfield, I guess. But he doesn't have a voice. So, okay, if we're going to do this song, we can't have Orange Bird sing it because Orange Bird doesn't have a voice. We need to get a singer that will become the voice, the spokesperson, the voice of Orange Bird. Huh, it's 1971. Who can we get to sing this catchy song? Hmm, we need someone safe. We need someone Disney-friendly. Someone family-friendly. Someone who will definitely not get us into trouble. And who do they pick? And you can switch it to picture three. Oklahoma native and non-threatening pop singer, Anita freaking Bryant! <laughs> Man, yeah. She was chosen as the voice of Orange Bird because Orange Bird didn't talk in 1969. She already had three gold records. And then the Florida Citrus Canners Cooperative, the Fakakaka people, uh, hired her to be their spokesperson for commercials. And she was on all these commercials for Florida Citrus. And the tagline was, Breakfast without orange juice? is like a day without sunshine. So in 1971, Disney went to Anita Bryant and, and gave her the Sherman Brothers song, and they released the single Little Orange Bird, sung by Anita Bryant. Uh, and Anita Bryant, the spokesperson for Florida Citrus, would appear at Disney World with Orange Bird. And like, oh, here's here she is. She's going to sing her song, Little Orange Bird, here at Walt Disney World. And look who's there next to her. It's Orange Bird, the two of them together. Hey, they're going to be in this parade, in the, I don't know, the Orange Bowl parade. And oh, man, Anita Bryant was everywhere being pushed by Disney as the singer of the official Orange Bird song. She was also very religious. She was also very conservative. Wasn't she also a previous Miss America or something? Uh, yeah, she was like a... She won Miss Oklahoma. Yeah. She was born and raised in Oklahoma, and then she won Miss Oklahoma, and then she became like a national beauty pageant contestant winner, and then she parlayed that into a pop singing career, and then she became the spokesperson for Florida, and then she started working for Disney, so she moved to Florida, and she's living there now, working with the Fakakaka people in Disney, and then in the late 70s, in Florida, the government wanted to pass a gay non-discrimination ordinance. And Florida said, hey, we're going to make it's the 70s. We're going to make it illegal to discriminate against someone because they're gay. And guess who became the most vocal opponent to that? Noted bitch Anita Bryant, pop singer and famous piece of shit Anita Bryant. I've got one more. Florida Orange's spokesperson and horrible demon woman who will one day burn in the fieriest pits of hell, Anita fucking Bryant. You can switch it to picture four. 
Anita Bryant was basically the founder, the godmother of the modern day anti-gay movement. You yes. look now in 2022 and people are saying, oh, gays are groomers. We need to get rid of gay people. We need to get rid of their rights. We need to we need to get rid of uh, of all these laws that protect them. We need to take away their right to marriage, their right to adopt. You can draw a line and easily draw a line from her in 19 from Anita Bryan in 1977 directly to people in 2022 saying gay people are groomers trans people should be locked up in cages because Florida heard Anita Bryant's words Anita Bryant was on TV all over the place rallying against gay people she literally said passing this ordinance violates my rights as a Christian she was the first ever famous person to come out and say just like yeah uh fuck gay people yeah uh and florida heard what she said and said yeah sorry oh, everybody orphans. heard what she said everybody yeah. heard what she said she was all over the you place. you you grab anything at random from popular culture at that point there's gonna be an anita bryan joke yeah. johnny carson used to make jokes about her all the fucking time the dummy in soap Made an Anita yes. Bryant joke. It was yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, she was the absolute worst. And the things that she said about gay people to demonize them in 1977 are still still being used today. That's how horrible she was. But Florida did say that, like, okay, yeah, we hear your words orange juice lady but we're gonna we're gonna pass this shit anyway so they passed the anti-discrimination law in florida and that's when anita bryant went full-on karen and said okay well i'm giving up music and i'm just dedicating the rest of my life to taking away gay people's rights yeah she just decided to dedicate the rest of her existence to rallying against gay people and she started a group which you can see uh, here next to me, called Save Our Children. Yeah. And she called for a special referendum to repeal this ordinance. And this group really is, in, in the 70s, wearing bell-bottoms and listening to the Bee Gees, this was the birth of our modern, far-right, Christian, conservative thing. She... <laughs> Was the first QAnon, Pizzagate, Alex Jones, Turn the Frickin' Frogs Gay, all of those nutball yeah. people that we're dealing with right now, they were born in 1977 with this woman right here. Yeah. She was the, she was the, this was the first real time that you saw someone on TV saying, the, you know who the real victim is of this? It's not that I hate gay people, it's that... I care about the children. Yeah. Like uh, Reverend Lovejoy's wife in The Simpsons. Can somebody please think of the children? And her basic thesis, which she was on TV spouting all the time, was, okay, gay people, they're getting together, they're doing gay stuff, but, oh, they can't uh, biologically have children. So how do they get 
a new generation of people to be gay, ah, they they recruit them. They groom them. Ooh, the evil, the gays are coming. The gays are coming. So if you like And you know what? And you know what? That's what was behind the National Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. Exactly. Right there. If you won that sweepstakes, well, not even if you won, if you sent in the envelope, okay? Yeah. And entered, you had to be gay from then on. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much it's all a conspiracy. You know, they put chemicals in the water. Yeah. To turn yeah. the freaking frogs gay. It's the I mean, chemtrails. Yeah. It's the chemtrails. They're dropping the, the, the gay juice on <laughs> us. Gay juice. You're like the juice, huh? <laughs> You're like the juice. The juice is good. I get you, Marta Juice. <coughs> so, <coughs> hey, do you like children do you want children to be happy and healthy if you do then pick up a molotov cocktail and chuck it at these gays with me anita bryant this is my entire life now yeah so uh yeah when you hear and you can see the similarities between her and in particular jk rowling yeah we have gone from anita bryant to uh, gay people coming out and gay people being accepted and gay people earning rights and gay people being everywhere. And then we're just going right back to Anita Bryant right now. Yeah. Is where we are right now. We're going right back to Anita Bryant. So, okay. 10 minute warning. Gotcha. So, um, you see, so it here's too? A, huh? You saw the 10 minute warning too? Yeah. Okay. So Anita Bryant started all of this QAnon, Pizzagate, Alex Jones nutballs in the 70s. Here's a pop singing celebrity on TV telling families that gay people molest kids, which is BS, obviously. But this was all happening less than a decade after the Stonewall riots kickstarted the LGBT rights movement. The gay civil rights movement was still in its infancy. And people saw what was happening in Florida as a test case. And it's like, oh, man, it, they're going to try and and do this nationwide. But this is the first that like the like patient zero is right here in Florida. Uh, so the gays started forming groups and organizing, started organizations of their own. They started doing speeches and protests. They raised money and they thought, how do you attack a famous person like Anita Bryant? And so their answer was basically... And you can switch it to picture five, Bunny. We're going to kick that cunt right in the citrus. This began the nationwide orange juice boycott. The gay rights movement, still in its infancy, rallied together to boycott all orange juice as a way to fight Anita Bryant and her anti-gay beliefs. This was the first major boycott organized by solely by gay and lesbian activists. And it was a big deal. Started in Florida, continued all over the place. Uh, Gay-friendly bars and restaurants would gather together at a specific time and go outside of their establishments and pour orange juice into the streets. Gay 
gay uh, activists would be on the streets trying to collect money and it wouldn't work. So you know what they would do? They would get cans and they'd go to bars and nightclubs and gay friendly establishments and say, hey, we're raising money to 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 fight Anita Bryant. People, gay people would be like, fuck that bitch. Here's all of my change. Yeah. And and. uh, uh there were rallies nationwide. It started spreading all over the place. And here they are in the East Coast fighting it. In the West Coast, Harvey Milk himself urged people in a Bay Area newspaper <laughs> to start waking up drinking pineapple juice for breakfast. That's crazy. Nice. So, and then uh, here's Anita Bryan on TV saying, oh, the gays are attacking me. The gays are rallying together to try and attack me solely because I'm Christian. They hate families. They hate common people like you and me. And then, ah, she gets hit in the face with a pie. Yes. On TV. Mwah! Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss followed by Italian hand gestures for the people not watching this on yes. Twitch. Uh, there, they became it became this huge anti Anita Bryant movement, and the fight went on for months until Anita Bryant went nuclear. She hired Republican politicians and activists and started assaulting Florida's TV stations with ads that tied the Orange Bowl parade with gay pride parades. Oh. Okay. What? But the ads worked, and in June of 1977, uh, Florida overturned the ordinance, and it became okay to uh, discriminate against gay people. But the orange juice boycott continued, and it seemed to have done its job because two weeks after the vote, the PR guy for the Pacacaca people, the the Fakakaka people, the Florida yeah. Citrus Company came out and just basically said outright, basically, uh, fucking man, I don't know how we got dragged into this. We're just trying to sell frickin' citrus. We don't hate gay people. And honestly, we're hoping Anita Bryan steps down as our spokesperson because we're done with the, the gay hating. That was her idea, not ours. We're just trying to sell these frickin' oranges, man. And she refused to step down. So eventually the orange juice company fired her. Really? And a, yeah. And here's a, it, it gets better. So was she canceled? She lost her sponsorship. She lost her music career, her marriage. She went bankrupt numerous times. And now she lives a life of quiet isolation running an Anita Bryant Ministries in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I just want to take this time to say that I did not try and find her location so I could teepee her house. Yeah. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to find it. Anywho, so that's a that's a happy thing. But let's go back a little bit, okay? okay. This all put Disney in an awkward AF position because Orange Bird is cute as fuck, but Anita Bryant was Orange Bird's voice, and now Anita Bryant is gone from the Florida Citrus people, so where does that leave our cute-ass theme park mascot? So Disney had no choice. They got rid of little Orange Bird. No more mascot, no more merch, no more song. And so starting in the late 70s and throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s, Orange Bird was scrubbed completely from Walt Disney World, from Disney, period. 
Disney got rid of Orange Bird because of Anita Bryant and her anti-gay activism. Isn't that crazy? Like, Orange Bird was a casualty in all of this. Yes. So Orange Bird was gone for decades. Then, randomly, in 2004, Orange Bird came back at Tokyo Disney. Really? Here's why. Okay, so the sun kiss people <coughs> in Japan are like, huh, how can we get people to buy our product? So they came up with this weird idea. It, it's a fairly new holiday, but on April 14th in Japan, it's Orange Day. And you buy orange-colored products for the people you love on April 14th. It's Orange Day, and it's promoted by Orange Growers and the Sunkiss Company. And it's this Japan-only orange holiday. And okay. the people of Tokyo Disneyland are like, huh, so Orange Day is a big thing. Wasn't there an orange mascot? And so suddenly, after decades, uh, Japan has Orange Bird merchandise, and all of the uh, uh, theme park people in Florida are going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> So eventually, uh, in 2012, Orange Bird came back. Now you can put it on uh, picture six. So eventually, Orange Bird came back in Florida in 2012. So this is a sort of a, a recent thing that Orange Bird has come back. And now here in 2022, you can go back to the uh, Sunshine Tree Terrace in Adventureland in Disney World. And you can see Orange Bird on the sign. And you you can go in and buy Orange Bird shirts and Orange Bird merchandise. Orange Bird was the official mascot of the 2022 Epcot Flower and Garden Festival. Orange Bird is all over the place in Florida right now. But I dare say a lot of people in line right now at the Sunshine Tree Terrace to get themselves an orange treat have no idea that the character in front of them, Orange Bird, disappeared for decades because of a bigot who lives in Oklahoma. Yes. That's a crazy story. And I just yes, want to take this I just want to take this time to say, uh Buccanita Bryant, she's a horrible person, and she has made millions of people's life miserable. Millions of people's life miserable. Uh, and uh, my wife got upset when I said this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Fuck orange juice. <laughs> I'm gonna drink Sunny D. That's barely orange juice. Sunny D and Tang. From now oh. on. Okay. But Orange Bird gets a pass. That sucker is cute as hell. Yeah. Orange Bird gets a pass. And that is it for this week's installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun. And cut on that! Woo! Bunny! Yes. We are about to be cut off by Zoom, so we are going to be taking a half time, and we are going to be coming back by talking about this week's movie, Michael Bay's attempt at a COVID film, the 2020 film Songbird, Starring Archie from Riverdale and a bunch of other famous people who should have known better. That is going to be after a short break, so stick around. That was a great chat. I'm so proud of that. Yes. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank that you. That was awesome. I love that. Yeah, I, I was really proud of that. I wrote all of it 
in like a nonstop like four hour just Color TV CB, call 645-1196 for the most ridiculous prices ever during Crazy Eddie's Christmas sale. In August? Huh, look at this. Certified frustration-free packaging. Hmm, not, not frustrating. That's good. I guess I just pull here and, uh... Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Okay.
it's the death of Richie, the special edition. The Death of Richie is a 1977 made-for-TV movie, and now, with the Death of Richie Special Edition, now out on Blu-ray and DVD, you can watch the Death of Richie as it was originally meant to be. Gone are all of the old and outdated scenes of a young man struggling with a drug addiction, and in its place, is the scene at the end of La Bamba where actor Isai Morales calls out for his brother. It's the Death of Richie Special La Bamba Edition. Gone are Robbie Benson, and in its place, one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for Richie. That's all it is, just Isai Morales yelling for Richie. Do you like seeing Mexicans yell for their dead brother? Of course you do! And now with the death of Richie, the special edition, you can watch one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for his brother. <laughs> That's right, Isai Morales! Richie! It's the death of Richie. The Special Edition. posts in the rants and raves section of the Oklahoma City Craigslist page because it I, I guess it's just justifying my beliefs people are horrible the headline is USA and Mexico uh, alright keep a positive attitude towards this I was visiting with a blood relative who was married to a Mexican And the relative brought up Trump at the wall. The relative was irritated that Trump thinks Mexico will pay for the wall. Being a nice relative, I just listened and was told Mexico hates Trump. I feel as if I have stumbled onto something. Go Trump, go, baby, build that beautiful wall. So happy to be a brown-skinned individual in the Bible Belt. Gee, I feel so, uh, welcomed and invited. Just feel so warm. People are treating me so nice here. Like, man, they make sure to put their sights on me first. It's like I have red dots all around me from their sniper rifles. Yay! I'm gonna get me a pickup truck and a dog and a shotgun. I'll start saying y'all. Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass.
Good morning, Miss Garcia. Good morning, sunshine. I miss you. I could kiss you right now. Yeah, well. Someday. Curfew is now in effect. All unauthorized citizens must stay indoors. Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. A horrifying new development new today. New data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Hey, whoa, 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 I'm immune! I'm immune! Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. Sarah. Sarah, what's going on? Department of Sanitation. Sarah, talk to me. I think my neighbor has a fever. It would be so much easier if you just opened the door. Mrs. Grant, you have visitors. Sarah, please. Sarah, open that door. Sarah, Sarah do not open that door. do things we don't want to survive. I'm trying to save the one person left in my life that matters to me. I can't help you. What you're talking about is illegal. doing new videos because of everything. Mother, do you think we can do the JoJo feeling? No, we're not doing that today. Oh. Are we doing a video today? <laughs> and we're back with more of the Pope on Film. It's time, Bunny! Unfortunately, it is time. <laughs> yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to drunkenly saunter our way into the second half of the big shoe. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new handcrafted limited edition and not available in stores, so order now movie of the week. And this week, we see Michael Bay's attempt at a COVID film, asterisk, 
with the 20... 20- oh, right. I meant to ask about that shit. What the fuck with the Michael Bay? But go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, hold on. With the 2020 movie Songbird. Okay, so... um, Because Michael Bay was an executive producer, 75% of the reviews say Michael Bay's attempt at a COVID film. But, like, I don't think that's fair. Because Michael Bay didn't write this. Michael Bay didn't direct this. Michael Bay just gave money so this could be made. This movie looks like what happens when your Coke dealer has written a screenplay. Huh. Now, before we ask the, the big question, why did so many big-name people agree to be in this piece of shit, I want to do the standard opening explanation of our summer. Because some people might be just tuning in right now. Maybe they didn't tune in before. Yeah. And so, okay. So every summer we do different themes. This is our fifth year of doing themed summers. First, we did the summer of Star Wars, where we watched all the Star Wars movies, except for the animated Clone Wars movie, which doesn't count because fuck that movie. Yes. Uh, I recently watched Solo again. I like that movie. It's fun. It's it, it's my favorite out of them. I'm still not in love with it. Yeah, it it was fun. It was just <clears> but fun. if you wanna if you wanna ask me about outside of the original three the original three movie trilogy, what's my favorite Star Wars movie? It's Solo. Yeah, Solo, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, uh, the second new one. What is the last Jedi? Yeah, yeah, that one, that one, because it tried to be different, you know. And there's like the Vegas planet and whatever. Um, I I haven't seen the very last one. I haven't seen that one. Oh, you're not missing much. And then we did the summer of Saw, where we watched all the Saw movies, and that was fun. But oh my god, remember when we saw Slaw? Yes. The Saw parody featuring a bunch of wrestlers? That was horrible. And then we did The Summer of Fred Willard, which was the best. And then last year, we watched movies from IMDb's Bottom 100. This summer, we're doing COVID exploitation films. Quick films that were rushed into production solely to capitalize on a deadly pandemic. So, just the fact that these movies exist mean that that they're pretty uh like morally corrupt in my opinion because it takes a specific type of a heartless movie producer to to look around and say huh so many people are dying i sense a screenplay yeah so like all of these movies it, most of them are pretty horribly heartless but this is the eighth COVID exploitation film that we have watched. And I want to discuss, there's a lot of reviews and 90% of them are really cruel, but there's a specific one that I wanted to read and it's right here on my phone. It is from the Australian website, concreteplayground.com. Uh, so, okay. This one offended me. This review offended me. Okay. okay. 
Okay. If there are any if there are any words that absolutely no one wants to see when they're watching a COVID-19 inspired movie, it's these produced by Michael Bay. The filmmaker who gave cinema the Bad Boys franchise and five Transformers flicks isn't behind the lens of Songbird, but writer-director Adam Mason and his frequent co-scribe Simon Boys have clearly mainlined Bay's work, then decided to use its worst traits as a how-to manual. Said in 2024, uh, their tactless thriller is gimmicky and misguided at best. It is derivative, dull, and has a plot that is so stale, it really should also feature a tornado full of sharks, too. How dare you compare Sharknado to this film? Yeah. Other than Sharknado. that, though, I'm going with pretty spot on. Sharknado can be... Sharknado is at least fun. At least you can say, hey, this movie is dumb and stupid, but fun. There is nothing redeeming from Songbird. There is nothing you get from this movie. It's not entertaining. It's not fun. It's not informative. It has nothing to say about the coronavirus. It was just made solely to cash in on a disease. Fuck this film. Yeah. I First, again, this movie is not about coronavirus. Coronavirus is just the thing to get you fucking attention and cash in. Even in this movie, it's not the coronavirus that we're dealing with. It's like coronavirus 2023 or some shit. So it's a variant that we don't even have. And that's fine, whatever. But they don't build on that. They don't capitalize on that. You can take it out completely and put in anything else like alien invasion. You know, would fit just as well. Uh, Zombies possibly would work. You know, anything life-threatening that caused the government to have to clamp down on shit to try to make sure that people survive. And At At least the other movies that we have seen this summer during our summer of COVID exploitation had like a purpose to them. Like I hated uh Corona, aka fear is a virus, aka how in the world are you making this entire film set inside of an elevator? But it's at least that one had a theory, which is hey, don't be racist. Not all Chinese people have the coronavirus. Okay. So like right. Uh, anti-coronavirus the movie aka fake crying the movie that one had sort of a, 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 a thesis the thesis was if you pray you don't get the coronavirus which is bullshit George but whatever and then 2025 the world enslaved by a virus was just fucking wonderful but like this the balls of this film it basically turns the coronavirus <coughs> Into a <coughs> MacGuffin. Yeah. That, like, the coronavirus isn't even a part of the film. Like, like fuck! Fuck this movie! <laughs> the coronavirus isn't even important. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a side piece to this film. And it's, and it's all just their interpersonal bullshit 
and it never expands on the world yeah. that you're trying to comment on? Yeah. You know, what exactly are you trying to comment on here? I mean, like, Demi Moore says it'll be illegal to have the kids' friends over. Okay, can we expand on that a little more? Like, yeah. who's in charge of the government, maybe? You know, when did it become illegal? Can All I, get I know more? is, like, Demi Moore looks like if you're out trick-or-treating, you would just skip her house. Demi Moore looks like she's 60 years old at a bar with her 25-year-old daughter saying really loud, Do you think we're sisters? Do you think we're sisters? A lot of people think we're sisters. Yeah. Totally knocked over my microphone, but it was worth it. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Uh, if there was, if if any candy was going to have a razor blade in it, it would be from the stop at Demi Moore's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Songbird, twenty twenty film about the pandemic. This isn't the first coronavirus movie. But it's essentially the first major Hollywood movie because this actually had a bit of a budget. Um, this is this was so freaking rushed. This was so freaking rushed. They started writing it in March, they announced the casting in May, they started filming in July, and it wrapped in August. And then it came out in December of that same year. So the turnaround from this film was, hey, I've got an idea, to, hey, this is a movie you can watch, was f just from March to December of 2020. That's how quickly they rushed this movie into production. Yeah. That's that's quick as hell. Uh, the It was rushed into production with a roughly $2 million budget, which, yeah, in, in Hollywood standards, that's pretty low, but compared to the other movies we've seen this summer, yeah, this might as well have been a freaking David O. Selznick production. Yeah. You know, that's 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 a lot more money than Mitesh Patel had for his. Well, that's movie that's what had me. Months. That's what had me scared walking in. Like, okay, this movie is going to be propaganda by professionals. Yeah. So this might hurt, you know, like there were times when I was watching this movie where I was like, is this an anti-vax film? Is this an anti-science film? It features vaguely Trumpian because there are uh, those scenes in there where it's like, oh, so what? We're all being forced to stay in our homes like prisoners. And it's like. It kind of feels a bit Trumpian, you know, Yeah, but they never come out and, and actually say yeah. They don't. Anything. Yeah. Anything. And this like a lot of the a lot of the words and a lot of the dialogue was just like really vacuous. And you could put whatever spin you want on it. A lot of cases they just chose aggression. Yeah. 
But you're absolutely right. You could just you could just turn this into a film where oh, there's a disease in the air it turns people to zombies. Oh, there's a sickness in the air and people are getting. You can even just not put a disease and just put like oh. It, this was the worst X-Men movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And apparently they're taking taking people away and putting them in some kind of quarantine like outside the wall somewhere or some shit. Yeah, but also we never get to see that. No, and nor yeah. is it really explained. There's a lot they don't explain in this film. What I would like to have explained is I would like to see the exact point in American history where the government said, hey, trash collectors, you get to kill people now. Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. But yeah. This was released straight to digital, and because this picture sucks, I assumed it was... I'm going to go ahead and assume that this was also on Redbox. On Redbox? Yeah, that's still (laughs) a thing, is Redbox. That feels so archaic. Yeah. Redbox. It made roughly $400,000 as a digital release, so this thing royally bombed, and good because it deserved to bomb. Despite the appearance of some big names, Bradley Whitford, what are you doing in this film? Yeah. You're good. You're a good actor. You were the best part of fucking Cabin in the Woods. I loved you in that. Yeah. And what, what what about that 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 guy? The one, well, a few a few of them broke my heart. Yeah. Uh, and I can never remember his name. The garbage man. You oh, said his uh, name. Peter Stormari. Yeah. Fucking oh, love yeah, that guy. The... For, I mean, one of the greatest character actors in the world. We what believe are in you nothing, Lebowski. Here? What are you doing here? And then, I mean, fucking, he was in Armageddon, 8mm, uh, he was in the Big Lebowski, fucking Fargo, he was in Fargo! Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, that, that, that broke my heart when he, when I saw him in this. The, the, and, the, and, and the other guy, the comedian, I forget his name, does a lot of, um... Franco movies, James Franco movies, Seth Craig Rogen Robinson. movies. Huh? Craig Robinson? The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that yeah, almost amazing. made me cry. Yeah, he's yeah, the guy who the, the guy who was in charge of the couriers. Lester. Yeah. Yeah. The one that killed me was Paul Walter Hauser was in this. Which one is he, and is he related to the ever-famous Wings Hauser? He starred in the film Richard Jewell. I think he was nominated for that. Uh, we know him. He was Jeff Galuli in I, Tanya. Okay. And I know him because... Uh, did you ever see the movie Cruella? No, but I have it for some reason. It was pretty good. The soundtrack is amazing. The Doors ended yeah. up in a 
Disney film. It's not bad, and uh, Cruella has two henchmen. One is skinny and smart, and the other one is fat and stupid, and that was Paul Walter Hauser. Okay. He was really good in Cruella, but I know him primarily. Uh, He auditions for a play and gets the part, but all his lines get taken by Jamie Taco in a great skit from season two of the greatest television show of all time. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. <laughs> I'm never going to say my lines faster than Jamie Taco. <clears throat> so the fact that like he was nominated for an Oscar, what are you doing in a wheelchair in this film? Flying yeah. drones, you poor, poor man. It it broke my heart that Paul Walter Hauser was in this. Like, oh, poor thing. Ah, oh. funny. The million dollar question: Why did so many names agree to be in this film? I'm going with the theory I said earlier. It, what? It, it, it's it's their coke dealer. The coke dealer. Re, 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 you could tie each one of these people. To the Coke dealer who wrote the screenplay. I'm thinking either... The the first thing that I thought up was that... Oh, Michael Bay's making a film? Count me in. But then I thought, oh no, I don't think Michael Bay's name would get some of these like like fairly serious actors. Yeah. Like Demi Moore and Bradley Whitford and... Uh, uh, Paul Walter Hauser. So then I thought maybe it's because since this film was made in like June, July, August of 2020, maybe this was the only job they could find because of lockdown and everything being canceled. Maybe that's why they did this movie. Maybe. Maybe the only reason I can think of so many big names being in this film is, is that so few movies were being made during lockdown that you either got a part in Songbird or How It Ends. Yeah. And Bradley Whitford was in both. <laughs> he was the dad in How It Ends. Oh, what a great film. If you haven't seen the comedy How It Ends, go and find that because it was filmed during lockdown in LA and it's Freaking wonderful. Yes, I love that movie so much. So, Bunny, do you want to hit us with the plot? I mean... Not really. Okay, I'm, that's I'm fine. Not you don't dead have sure to. about what the plot was. And this was a movie that it was like, you know, I, I should really watch this again, but I fucking flat out refused to watch that's it fine. a second time. I only, I uh, only saw it once, and that time yeah. was difficult. Uh... It's set in 2024, so we're only two years away from Archie being a sweaty bike courier. Yes. So, yay. So, and there are so many names in this. Um, Craig Robinson and uh, KJ Appa, uh, Archie from Riverdale, and Peter Stormari, Demi Moore, Paul Walter Hauser, Bradley Whitford. Leah McHugh was the daughter of Demi Moore. She was the young kid from Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, there was a hummingbird? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of hummingbirds outside. What a forgettable MCU movie Eternals was. Yes, it was. How is it that every Marvel movie after Eternals doesn't bother to mention the fact that there's a giant god sticking out of the freaking planet? Yes. How is that not the main plot of every film after Eternals? Yeah. I know, I know, I know, baby. Anywho, this movie is trying but to But it was lot. finally mentioned in She-Hulk. Yeah, but like, as an afterthought. Yeah. Not as like a plot. You would think everyone would be mentioning it, but whatever. Uh, so, this movie is trying to be too much. So much that it doesn't land anything. Yes. And I and I said this earlier that this film feels like one of those art films like Magnolia or Pulp Fiction or Crash where here's like 12, here's 15 different leading characters and each one has their own separate plot line and by the end they've all tied together but this is like less like Crash and more like Southland Tales that this yeah. is all just a mess and none of it lands and there's not that much of a plot or a budget. There's just nothing to be gained by watching that. It's not entertaining. You don't learn anything. It's not fun to watch. It's not well written. The it's acting, they're just phoning it in. You didn't see Songbirds. Stop it. There's too many bad, badly written characters. The only good part about it is that the movie's a tight hour 20. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you have so many different characters. Here's the here's the rich wife who's angry at the husband. The husband who sneaks off to have sex with the uh, popular streamer. Here's the popular streamer that is starting a relationship with the guy in the wheelchair. The guy in the wheelchair who flies drones for the guy who's running the company. Yeah. The company that Archie works with. The company that Archie works with to raise money who is in a relationship with the woman. The woman who has the grandmother. And it's like you have so many plots, so many characters. This is an hour and 20 minute film. I'm not saying that I want like a three and a half hour director's cut like Waterworld. I'm just saying that like this is a short film with way too much plot and none of it lands no but i was trying to figure out about this movie and i did figure out something the film was written and directed by adam mason he's prime he's primarily a screenwriter although you wouldn't know it from this horrible script he usually directs music videos when you know that some of this movie makes sense yeah it's like okay. the cameras to the side the cameras tilted here's some quick cuts here's a big close-up now it's back and it's like oh, okay so this is a movie that's trying to be flashy but doesn't really have any uh actual meat to it no there you go this is this is this there you go well that's Plus, kind of what i meant it by by like it seems like it was only like half written yeah you know and like we're we're I'm not sure what the word is. Like, we're trying to imply too much. 
that isn't there. Like you maybe? know, like you got the scene where the old guy is gonna go like check on his flowers or something. It looks like he's got a little end-off area where he's got plants and stuff. And Demi yeah. Moore is like, "We better burn those clothes before you come back in." Yeah. And then we see him in a scene later, and he's burning his clothes. And it's like, but like, that's all like, it doesn't have to be that way. There's nothing in the movie that's implying <laughs> that it has to be that way. And it couldn't be like, oh, remember, you got to burn your clothes before you get back in. Because we yeah. are in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I want to see my plants. It's worth a set of clothes. Well, that part I actually you know what I mean. It's, it's like it's like it's not really saying anything. And well, that part actually spoke to me because I have three kids that are doing in-person school right now, and every time they come home, I make them take off their clothes and burn it in the front yard. Yeah, for you know, just for for safety reasons. Yeah. And then I get a big hose and I water them down and the kids are yelling, It's a madhouse! It's a madhouse! <laughs> so, yeah. the This is apropos of nothing. The woman in this movie that is the streamer who sings songs, uh, yeah. that is, what's her name? Alexandra Daddario. She is wildly upsetting to me and I have no idea why. I have no idea why. But anytime I see her, I just go, oh, it's her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea why because she's an attractive woman. She's talented. She's a good actress. But for whatever reason, I just have, I guess, just a Daddario blocker. Yeah. And she appears in a movie, and I go, oh, it's her. Some people are just like that. Oh, okay. All right. Daddario's there are one. some people that you just don't like for no real reason. Yeah. And, and, and she is one of those people to me. I have no yeah. idea why. No idea why. What was the name of that religious movie we saw with, uh, with, uh, with frickin' Archie in it? Uh... K that was J that Papa. was like I still believe, and that's K where K we're running into some confusion, because like the the Fred Willard one was I'll believe you, yes, but the Archie one was I still believe, yes, I still believe. Here you go by A J Appa. Yip yip. Uh, 2020 American Christian romance film. Man, he did... 10-minute warning. He did both of these films back-to-back -back in 2020. Wow, what an incredible actor! Yes. Fucking A.J. Appa. K.J. Appa. Yep, yep. He is 25 years old. Oh, he's a New Zealander. Okay. He gets this much of yeah. leeway from me just for that. I'm enough of a uh, Flight of the Concords fan that I'm going to 
I'm I'm going to give KJ Appa Yip Yip a little bit of leeway. I would still like to see him stereotyped as Archie for the rest of his life. Absolutely. I would I would like to see that. Yeah. I've never wanted nothing- to see anybody actually be typecast before. I want to see it. I want to see him pop up from time to time for the rest of my life being Archie kid? somewhere. Archie has a kid? I don't think he's married. <gasps> he's had a child out of wedlock? He had, he has a kid with French model Clara Berry. What a what an American sounding name for a French model. Yeah. Chuck, it's Clara. Your cousin Clara Berry. <laughs> um so there's there's nothing to be gained by watching this movie at all. It's no. not entertaining, it's not fun, it's not funny, it's not thrilling. You don't care about the romance, you don't care about the 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 other romance you don't care about the trash collectors that get to kill people it's just boring and stupid and tedious it's a dud i never thought i'd say this but the coronavirus comedy about alien apes and memes and harambe was a million times better than this big budget thriller with an all-star cast yeah oh god yes it's like fuck I would rather see the bizarre, low-budget, Harambe-based comedy coronavirus conspiracy than have to watch this star-studded movie again. Yes. Period. Oh, Ram God, no. Ranch. This is fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's all I've got for this week's movie, Songbird. It's shit. Even if you're a fan of Riverdale and Archie, there's no point in watching this film. No. At all. Go watch How It Ends. It's a comedy. It also has Bradley Whitford in it and uh, Charlie Day from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, The good... Tom Hanks' good son is in it. (laughs) Uh, Not the white boy summer. I had I had a uh, a uh, hot girl summer and yeah. it was great. But uh that's it for our eighth movie in the summer of covid exploitation. Next episode which will be episode what 438 we are finishing up our summer of covid exploitation with virus shark. Virus shark. Shark who gets a deadly virus. I don't think that they specifically call it the coronavirus, but there's a deadly virus going around and the shark gets the virus. So then it becomes a virus shark. I'm pretty excited. It it has going to be Going by the title, yeah. It has to be better than Santa Jaws. Yes. Because that Which was wasn't horrible. Bad. It was it it was bad in a good way. Like 2025, A World Enslaved by a Virus, which also everyone should watch because that was freaking hilarious. So that's next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh, man, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, Peter Stormari. So uh, I think you should leave. 
Anita Bryant, Orange Bird. Anita Bryant and fucking Orange Bird. Little Orange Bird. Little Orange Bird. It was a catchy song. It's cute. I gotta say, I think that this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode of the podcast. Okay, good. Good. I I I felt the same way, but I didn't want to say it out loud because I feel like you're the one who makes the distinction as to whether or not it's a it's it's good or it's damn good. That that that's that's a moniker that you get to affix to the podcast. And I didn't want to step on your toes. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week. I am Bunny Williams. And I am May Lynn. And on behalf of Eleanor and uh, everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Can you say Mal's part, Gizmo's part? Because I think Gizmo is in the bath or a shower. So say Gizmo's part for me. And you douche waffles and poopy toots. <laughs> it is uh, like gizmos. Douche waffles is is a, a, a bad word that gizmo created on their own, and I love it. And I call people douche waffles all the time. Poopy toots is actually uh, what we call pop tarts in this family. Yeah, because I have a habit of of of. Uh, pronouncing things wrong so for a while we would say uh we had a uh, fruity dino bites so i would call them kids what do you want for breakfast you want some duty bito bites you want some duty booty foodies you want some fruity booty dude duty boot foods so now we just call well uh fruity dino bites duty well boot but foods. back in the day mal was saying douche waffles and Poopy Toots was supposed to be Max's catchphrase. Ah. But he kept forgetting to say go. it. You kept, so, so Mal, Mal would, would say it say for, it for him. There you go. Douche waffles and Poopy Toots. Yeah, because uh, I would say, you guys want some poop, some poop tarts? They're not poop tarts. Yeah, they are. They're Poopy Tarts. They're made of poop. They're Poop Tarts. They're, poop, they're Poopy Toots. You want some Poopy Toots? So you would say poopy toots. That was your catchphrase. Okay. So douche waffles and poopy toots. And you virus sharks. Nice. Way to tie it together. Eleanor. <laughs> and you. You got two minutes and 24 seconds to wrap this up. We bear bears. And you we bear bears. That's a good cartoon. Okay. Do, 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 do. Stay, microphone. Stay. Do 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 do. Come over here. You got to put it on a cookie. You've kind of got two bits at the end. Okay. Do 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 do. Cut and print. Put it on a cookie. That's a wrap. Woo.